Your recipe for mastering mealtime awaits at the 2024 National Restaurant Show. As appetites for mealtime value increase and demand for convenience grows, now is your opportunity to elevate your food service offerings and become the go-to choice for hungry shoppers on the move. Find fresh flavors and products to keep your customers coming back for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. As you explore a bustling show floor featuring over 900 product categories, from award-winning food and beverage items to innovative equipment and technology. Join your peers at the show for food service in Chicago, May 18th to 21st, and emerge as a mealtime favorite. Visit the official show website at www.nationalrestaurantshow.com to register and learn more. Welcome to Menu Feed, a weekly podcast from Restaurant Business and Food Service Director. I'm Pat Kobe, Senior Editor covering menus, food, drink, and chefs for both brands. Joining me on the podcast is Stephen Chandler, General Manager of Husk in Charleston, South Carolina. Stephen earned his culinary chops in the back of the house, working in hotel kitchens, overseeing purchasing, event planning, catering, and more. But he felt his true calling was in the front of the house, and he made that transition several years ago, landing at Husk in 2022. Listen as Stephen describes how his empathetic approach and kitchen experience serves him well as GM, how he's carrying on the legacy of a cherished Charleston restaurant while making it relevant to today's dining trends, and as he shares the keys to creating a positive restaurant culture. Welcome, Stephen. Thanks so much for joining me on the podcast. Well, thank you for having me. I'm I'm super excited to be here. Great. Well, let's begin by you telling me about your hospitality journey that brought you to Husk. Man, that's a a long <laughs> a long story. Um, but you know, I'll keep it pretty brief. I've been in the restaurant industry since I was, uh, you know, I'm 36 now, and I started my journey at the in restaurants about 12 years old, I think. Uh, my uncle owned a pizzeria uh, and he had these massive flower displays in the summer and he needed somebody to uh, water all his flowers. Um, so I would go do that and then I would actually sneak into the kitchen um, and help the prep team make pizza sauce, make pizza dough. And something about just the, the energy of the building, even that early uh, in my life and that early in the morning just really called to me. So I, you know, I worked in uh, restaurants throughout high school, went to college to try the traditional route and just not, it, it was all falling flat and just wasn't all that interesting to me. So fell back into restaurants as kind of like, a, I'm going to do this until I figure out what I really want to do with my life. And mm-hmm. turns out this is really what I want to do with my life. <laughs> um, so, you know, it's, it's been pretty awesome. I've, I've done, done a lot in this industry. I've, I started out in the back of the house as a as a chef and I've kind of transitioned and weaved my way through the industry. And I don't know, it's, it's incredible. The, the, the amount of information and the amount that you get to learn and experience and get to grow every day is just, just incredible. And I think that's why I love this so much. Um, and then on top of that, you get to, you get to teach a lot, you know, you get to teach mm. not only your staff, but you can help educate the public and help educate people on things that they just, that are that are different and out of their comfort zone gets to be you know it's 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 uh it's a fun experience every day getting to to teach to be honest with you yeah so. it sounds like you really are passionate about it for sure 
Did you ever go to culinary school or are you pretty much self-taught when you were working? (laughs) You know, so me in school (laughs) sometimes just didn't get along. Um, I did try culinary school, but I was also working in a restaurant at the time and was looking at the bills from culinary school and was looking at what I was learning at work. And, you know, it was a big debate in my head and I just wasn't quite right for me to be in in school for for the culinary side i you know i finished traditional college but uh on the culinary side it just wasn't wasn't for me and i found that i was learning way more and getting way more experience honestly working in a restaurant so yeah that's totally valid a little bit of both a little bit self-taught a little bit of traditionally taught Mm -hmm. (laughs) tried lots of things (laughs) so how did your career in the kitchen on the culinary side make you a better manager for the front of the house? You know, I think it's kind of invaluable. You know, a lot of GMs and front of the house managers come from, you know, they come from serving and bartending backgrounds. And while that helps you a lot in your day to day as as a GM, um, mm-hmm. knowing the other side, of the, op- the intimately the other side of the operation just makes you such more, you're, you're, you're a more effective leader in my mm-hmm. experience. You understand their day to day. You understand their troubles and their trials. You know, simple things like truly understanding how to cost a dish and how to, you know, how to make something profitable back there. How to look, you know, look through their stuff and look look at what they're doing and make sure that they're not creating unnecessary waste and creating unnecessary. You just see all their areas of opportunity to be honest. Right. It also just, you know, I'm, I'm, I think I'm a more empathetic GM to the kitchen than probably a lot of GMs are. You know, I, I make, I try to make decisions bilaterally and for the whole team, as opposed to, I'm just going to drive the business forward based on what the front of the house is feeling based on, um, on, you know, just sales and how our servers are doing and how our bartenders are doing. We're, we're making trying to make really good decisions that will help the entire staff just be a more cohesive unit, to be honest. Right. That's my goal. I, I try. I don't know. I don't know if I succeed at it every day, but that's 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 the want and the goal. <laughs> right. Well, it sounds like you have a much more holistic experience than some people who just start in the front of the house and advance that way. Yeah. And, and you know, that being said, I, I've had, I, you know, I've, I've served, I've bartended, I've, you know, I've kind mm-hmm. of done everything and I wanted it to be that way. You know, mm-hmm. there, there is a, there was a little bit of a, like a loss of love when I was a chef, I think, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I made a little bit of made a transition because to be a chef, you truly have to love food and love food all the time and not have any sort of conflict with food. And I, I think I got to a point where I just was not happy doing that. So I needed to spread my wings a little bit and, you know, found my way to the front of the house and kind of learn those avenues. And what I've really tried to do is just like be a student of the whole, the whole operation and, and food and beverage in general, as opposed to just being so focused on, on just the food. Right. Well, Husk has been a dining destination in Charleston since 2010, which is quite, you know, an accomplishment, that longevity. It so is. How- how do you keep the restaurant relevant in a city that now has a lot of competition? Um, you know, we get this question a lot. And I think the the answer to the question is, is not so much how do we keep ourselves relevant, is is um, how do we keep 
how, how do we keep true to our ethos? I think the um, the ethos and the foundation of Husk is why Husk is so important and why we have had so much longevity. Our commitment to to local sourcing, sustainable sourcing, sustainable vendors, sustainable communities uh, is for me like not a trend. It's you know I, I, every once in a while we get the like farm to table is a is a trend. Like mm-hmm. I don't think it's I think it's for us it's a way of life, it's a way of living, and it's a way of of operating a business. And you know I will credit you know uh, David Howard and you know Sean Brock way back in the day for for making a commitment to to this really important thing you know they they really went out and started a a a movement this farm to table movement that really kind of happened in 2010 when when this restaurant was opening you know and and i think sometimes it's like kind of a weird moniker this whole farm to table of course everything comes from a farm (laughs) of course everything you know all of your food isn't grown in like weird warehouses places It's, it's grown on farms you know what what the difference from us and and you know a lot of restaurants are is, uh, you know, when we say farm to table, we truly mean we know our farmers, we know our vendors, we know the people catching our fish, we know the people raising our our beef and our pork. Um, we we know these people, we know them intimately, and we know we know a lot about them, and they're invested in us, and we're invested in that. We truly are. We, you know, there's a few farms out there, and I don't mean to like toot our own horns that wouldn't wouldn't be around if we weren't here Um, they would have gone the commercial farming route they would have been planting mass things of soybeans and corn and and things that are not you know that are wonderful in in essence but not necessarily truly impacting us and the community Mm. the other piece of the puzzle is you know the ethos that what was set out to be as this restaurant was was preserving heirloom ingredients. So what what does that mean? So it means preserving those varietals of corn, preserving those varietals of wheat and the grits and cabbages that are indigenous to the area or or cross-pollinations that have happened over hundreds of years that are just Charleston. You know, a mm-hmm. big example of this is Carolina Gold Rice. So, you know, without this restaurant, Carolina gold rice as a thing probably wouldn't 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 be an, an ingredient anymore that we'd have, you know. Um, and that's cool and important and wonderful that we can we we can do these things and support the farmers that it's also important to. So how do we keep ourselves relevant? We we keep we keep to our we keep to our guns. And through all, all of that, you know, because we know our farmers and our the people raising the animals that we have and the fish, I think we, we take those ingredients a little bit more seriously. Um, and we, we, we push to make sure that we honor those ingredients by not only cooking wonderful food, but utilizing as much of those ingredients as possible. Mm. So I know that you, again, I'll circle back. I know you asked about how we stay relevant. I don't think so much it's here. It's about staying relevant. It's about staying true. Yeah. Well, you definitely answered (laughs) (laughs) and so have you made any changes to the signatures that were on the menu from the beginning i know that um sean is no longer involved in the restaurant but there must have been things on the menu that i don't know if they still are on the menu or everything so there's two things um that kind of will never go away actually kind of three uh the pimento cheese the recipe 
He hasn't changed since day one. It'll always be a pimento cheese. Mm. Um, probably will never leave the menu. The second thing is the cornbread. Um, it has gone through some small modifications in the last few years, but the ethos and the kind of the general, you know, we switched out some fats and mm. a couple of things, but honestly, the, the cornbread is the same cornbread that you were able to get 10, you know, 13 years ago in this restaurant. So those are the things that stay, <laughs> you know, um, everything else changes. And why does everything else change so much? kind of goes back to what I was just talking about, where, you know, when you're truly working with farmers and purveyors that are local, sometimes things run out, you know, sometimes the cabbage that you had yesterday <laughs> no longer exists. We might have a cold snap. We may, you know, we may get strawberries for a week and then all of a sudden the world freezes over and the, you know, they have to pick a whole bunch of gra- green strawberries, but then we don't get strawberries. For this. Mm. Um, so it's just, it's it's really a unique way to run a restaurant, run a business because it is it's hard. It's we, we do it the hard way, <laughs> uh, but I think that we have more fun doing it. To be honest with you, so. And is the pimento cheese like an appetizer, like something you put on every table, or is it? Yeah, the, it's not something we put on every table. We try to put it on every table. <laughs> it is something we sell uh, right now. The what we have it with is our um, is our country ham. So we've actually combined mm. our country what we had is a country ham plate and a pimento cheese plate um so that plate gets uh house-made pickles about an ounce of country ham about two ounces of pimento cheese uh in our in our biscuits so it's kind of like a fun build your own biscuit situation i could definitely make a meal out of that that sounds cool (laughs) (laughs) so are you are the guests um i know charleston also gets a lot of visitors not just locals but are guests in general looking for more casual, flexible dining experiences these days? I think they are. You know, uh, the world ebbs and flows a lot as far as what people want. Um, I do think, you know, everybody's a little bit nervous about a little bit of a recession that's that's coming Mm -hmm. our way. People tend to gear a little bit more towards comfort in those times we've found in restaurants. We're lucky because we're kind of right in, in between. You know, I think we our food is... It's very comfortable. It's very. It's something that feels very homey um, mm-hmm. to a lot of our guests. You know, a lot of our recipes, like if you look back, stem from grandmothers that you know, like uh, made these recipes. So it feels really comfortable. But we actually um, have adjusted in a couple of ways. Our primary dining experience is it's comfortable and it is not uptight and feels very good to me. But we've also added kind of a second part of our property. So what we've done is actually split the main house of our property and then our bar and patio. Um, mm-hmm. Our bar and patio just went through a, a pretty cool renovation. Uh, the bar top and the bar itself still feels like the bar always has. Uh, to me, it feels kind of like a like a whiskey barrel, to be honest with you. It's pretty oh. awesome in there, uh, the inside of a whiskey barrel. Um, and then you head outside, and we've we've got this big, beautiful garden and patio area uh, that we've added a covering to, um, which is pretty awesome. Oh. Uh, but it, it's like, it just made it a little bit more uh, weather-friendly, and we're able to, to, to have people all the time out there, which is great. But the food menu, what we've done is a uh, really kind of more casual, bar-centric menu out there. That is uh, no reservations and just a little bit more of like a on the whim dining experience. You know, mm-hmm. you know, we, we're 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 extraordinarily blessed in the main house of this restaurant. We 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 have 
reservations for months. <laughs> uh, I can't say enough of how blessed we are and how excited we are about that, but we definitely need an outlet for people to come dine with us that just wanted to come dine, maybe just have a drink. Our signature burger is out there. We've got ham, we've got oysters, and you know, it's a, it's a pretty awesome place to just come hang out. You know, on top of that, our bartenders are just like uh, our chefs are committed to local sourcing and seasonal ingredients. Our bartenders are also just as committed to that. So, you know, we can you can come have a a really beautiful seasonal cocktail with with uh, with our our food out there. So. We've got a little bit of both here, which is, mm. which is how many seats are on the inside compared to the patio and bar area? Um, so we have about 110 seats um, inside with inside. And then we have a, a mezzanine upstairs that's that I'm actually mm-hmm. currently sitting on. Um, and then out on the, the patio, it is about about 65 seats with bar top. So quite a bit of seats out there. It's a fun, casual coming out in our garden situation. Yeah. And you have uh, more, you know, nice weather in Charleston that, I mean, it's like the only a couple of months probably that you can sit outside. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we do. I mean, we, we have heaters out there. I don't know how, how mm. effective they are, but um, we have heaters out there all the time. But yeah, we're, we're lucky here in Charleston. Actually, right now in February, this is like the nicest time of year out to sit mm. outside. You know, it's 65 degrees right now and just really comfortable and gorgeous. And it doesn't dip all that much below that. <laughs> but uh, for those, you know, w- really wintry months, we do have a little bit, a little lounge that sits on top of our bar that offers the same experience um, as, as the patio um, and is honestly my favorite room in the, in the whole restaurant. We've started doing a bunch of uh, private events up there. It is like the perfect setting for an 18 to 20 person, just really intimate, beautiful dinner. Uh, we've had mm-hmm. some really a lot of fun with that space up there. So let's talk a little bit about labor because that's a real, you know, still a challenge, even though some of the shortages have been resolved. There are other challenges like with skilled workers and that kind of thing. Are you having that much of a challenge in Charleston? I know that you're a restaurant that a lot of people do want to work at probably, but um, what are the what's the labor situation down there? <laughs> I, I think you ta- if you talk to ten out of ten restaurateurs, they're going to say the same thing to you. Yes, it is hard out there. We we have been. I think we've made a really uh, a new commitment post COVID. A lot of restaurateurs have done this, but um, I know that we've made a real big commitment here at this restaurant, especially with our back of the house team members. The ten years ago glory days of the rock star chef, I think, are kind of like fading away and people have kind of mm-hmm. realized it is uh, a tough industry to work in, um, especially uh, in the kitchens and restaurants. Mm-hmm. What we've really made a commitment to doing is is bringing on green cooks and green team members that we, that we train, you know, you, you, you have to make, you have to make that decision though. And you have to, you, you can't, you can't really do that halfway. You either hire people that know what they're doing or, make the commitment to train people to do what they want to do. And I think we've, we've really tried that, you know, we chef Ray and I came on about two years ago and we, we came onto a fairly empty restaurant with, with a team that had left and have spent two years building a, I think pretty extraordinary team. Um, I don't, I know that neither of us can do what we do without, without them. Um, you know, we have an extraordinarily, probably too talented chef team to be honest with you, we're, we're so blessed with with the amount of experience that you know our chefs and sous chefs have we have you know turned a lot of cooks that 
you know, couldn't make an egg the second they walked in the door into to, to some for real line cooks, uh, which we're really proud of. You know, on the front of the house side, you know, we, we, we make the same commitment. We have kind of a graduated level of people. Um, you know, we bring them in as hosts and essays and try to grow them into patio servers and brunch servers and PM servers. That takes years and time. Um, the amount of knowledge that our our senior servers have is it, it impresses me every single day. The amount of information and wine knowledge and bourbon knowledge and and food knowledge that our bartenders and servers have is is it's awesome and really just really rounds out the dining experience from top to bottom. You know, furthermore, in kind of the the labor side, you know, we we've made a commitment to hiring personalities instead of hiring hiring for experience. So, you know, yeah. we, we we hire for positivity, we hire for thirst and want for knowledge. We hire for, you know, people that we want to be around as opposed to you're the best server or bartender cook in town, but you've got a nasty personality, but we're going to look the other way because you're really good at your job. It's just not really what Ray or I are about. You know, we're, mm. we're, or really neighborhood dining group in general, um, the whole restaurant group, you know, we're about finding, finding those diamonds in the rough, finding those, those genuinely good people that we can turn into true hospitality. Well, you must have a really good training program then. Is there anything special you do with training or, I mean, obviously (laughs) personalities involved have a lot to do with it, but. I think I think we uh, we're growing every day. <laughs> um, you know, I, I do think we we have some pretty good systems in place. You know, I think the one thing that's important to us is patience. You, uh, you know, it's it's really easy to bring in somebody and throw them in somewhere for a week and then say they're not good enough and throw them away. Really, what like for us, it's about the persistence and the long game and making sure that we are taking our time to do it correctly you know our our, we very rarely will bring on a server for example but if we do it's it's like two and a half weeks of training before Mm. they they truly hit the floor and these are people i you know if we're actually going to bring on a server these are people that have been doing this for 10 to 15 years and they still need two weeks on our floor to make sure that you know they they are able to um, give our guests the the proper experience mm-hmm. um you know the other positions we again we we take our time i think that's that's the, the the key to not get impatient and and have great great trainers as well so mm-hmm. so can you talk gotta, about anything that's in the works for husk in the coming year that you know you mentioned a lot that you've done recently but is there anything coming up that you want to talk about um you know honestly the uh, like I said, we opened up the the bar and patio last year. It was it wasn't until September though. You know, we go through a little bit of a lull from December to February in Charleston. So really, our our big big push is to make sure that that the bar and patio is is up to our our standards, and that we're we're really really focusing on that. It's it's so it's essentially a new restaurant opening on property. Mm. It's, it's, you know, it's um, <laughs> it's like a having a sister restaurant right next door um just because of you know the kitchen while the kitchen staff is the same where the food is coming out is different the food itself is different the style is different so mm-hmm. really um we're going to take the next 
six months and just make sure that the the bar and patio are is uh, are are the true husk experience and we're providing uh, the true hospitality that we that we strive for every day out there. So that that's really the focus this year. Yeah. You know, the other the other end of things is um, like I mentioned before, we're um, with the kind of reformatting of and redesign of our kitchen facilities we've actually been able to open up the opportunity to do larger parties and events here it's not something that this restaurant ever did before you know it was it was you you dine with six people or, or the max amount of people you could dine with was six we've really uh been able to revamp that and rethink that and provide it a, a small uh area where we can provide a really cool dining experience for people that's a little bit out of our, our normal box. Mm-hmm. Um, do you serve provide. lunch also, or is it mostly dinner? We 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 do two brunches a week, uh, but we okay. do not do much. Um, okay. You know, honestly, for us, you, you, you talked about labor a little bit. The juice runs not really worth the squeeze as far as right. lunch goes, um, labor wise, as well as our, our food is not you know easy to produce, um, and our cocktails are not easy to produce. So we need time during the day to make sure that that's the, sure. the, the items are perfect so what time does the patio and open though does that before dinner? Uh, it does so the patio bar and patio open monday through thursday from 4 to 10 p.m uh on friday it is open from 4 to 11 uh saturday we actually open up at 10 a.m for brunch it's not close to 11 p.m uh and then sunday we are uh open for brunch at 10 a.m and close at 10 p.m. Um, as far as the main house goes, we are open daily from 5 to 10. Wow. So um, what are you most looking forward to personally in the year ahead? Oh, man. Traveling or anything like that? <laughs> yes, I would love to travel quite a bit. You know, uh, I am looking forward to a couple of things. Uh, professionally, um, Chef and I, like I said, are, are in year number, number two of this, or I guess, year number three of being at this restaurant. And I think we've finally gotten gotten ourselves to the point where we are like a rock solid team and a a, a team moving in a uh, forward direction together. So mm-hmm. like it's, it's kind of a really cool, unique thing. You know, there are lots of management teams and restaurant teams that don't get along and don't like each other that much. Uh, we are the opposite here. We, we actually oh, like great. each other. <laughs> we like working together. Um, and I think we're a great team, you know, both the front of that, all the front of the house and back to the house managers, uh, you know, we, we work together pretty congruently. And I think it translates to our teams pretty well. Um, mm-hmm. It's our hourly teams. So I'm really looking forward to, we, we've kind of, we're coming out of rebuilding mode into sustaining mode, um, mm-hmm. which is really exciting and great. And I think we're able, we're, we're going to be able to really, push the bar as far as um, our food and our drinks and the hospitality that we provide to people and just really, really tuning that in. Um, so I'm really excited about that. Personally, my wife and I moved, actually we moved from like 20 minutes outside of town to into downtown Charleston. So I'm excited oh. this year to really like be able to wander around Charleston proper and find little dives and whole uh, hole in the wall coffee shops and places around a city that I haven't spent that much time in because uh, mm-hmm. I spent a lot of time in the restaurant. So that'll be exciting. And I, I do think we, we have a, at least one European adventure planned for this year. So. Thanks so much, Stephen. I have to make it down to Husk again soon and sit on that patio. It sounds really inviting. 
You can download this episode of Menu Feed and past podcasts on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Pat Kobe. Mm-hmm.